Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. It's Holy Week. It's spring break. The NCAA is moving into the final four. The Derek Chauvin trial is underway in earnest. Um, eyewitness testimonies are excruciating to listen to. I do think it's an opportunity for Christians to reflect on the value of every single human life. Certainly the challenges that we face in constraining ourselves, um, challenges related to criminal justice and communities of color, challenges related to the pressure placed upon those who we charge with policing our communities. Um, it's a time for no excuses. It's a time for justice. It's a uh, there's a deep need for conversion. There's a conversation about addiction and poverty and race. There's all kinds of conversations you could be having centering around um, uh, the Derek Chauvin trial uh, underway in Minneapolis. Uh, also, President Biden's massive in- infrastructure proposal is being rolled out as are proposed tax increases to support that. We'll talk about those things. In the coming days and weeks, religious colleges and universities are being targeted in a class action lawsuit brought against um, uh, the Department of Education by LGBTQ identifying students. Um, and we're going to talk about that tomorrow with Ben Johnson. There is a, a, a migrant crisis at the U.S. southern border. Uh, it is only going to get worse. Um, that is not only a prayer concern, but ob- obviously a uh, a concern at all levels for those of us who uh, care about life and care about human flourishing and care about our neighbors and, and yes, uh, care about um, what's going on here in the United States of America. Prayers also today in terms of praying the headlines for the people of Myanmar. The United States, uh, the U.S. State Department has ordered the departure of all non-emergency U.S. government personnel and their family members from Myanmar. Um, the deadly crackdowns against protesters um, is is only growing. The military is now conducting airstrikes um, on, you know, on these ethnic communities. You will remember there was a military coup in uh, in the nation of Myanmar. Um, it's just a, I you know, I, I'd like to just say it's a mess. But the challenge is there are lots of kids um, who are among those who um, are identified as uh, dead and injured by these airstrikes by Uh, the Myanmar military uh, against its own people. So let's just be recognizing um, the need for God to intervene in so many places and spaces today. Hey, I read read one headline um, out of Minneapolis this morning that I wanted to to highlight because it has a a Christian worldview storyline hidden in it, but you'd have to dig to find it. Um, So Portico Benefit Services is leaving downtown Minneapolis, relocating to Edina. Um, it matters, according to this Axios piece, because downtown Minneapolis and its restaurants and retailers need all the workers that they can keep as companies move to hybrid work models and reduce the daily uh, headcount inside the city. Here's what's really going on. Um, this is a company that supports the benefit plan of the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America. 
the decline of mainline Christianity across the board, and in particular, the decline of the ELCA is driving this. So when denominations shrink, the personnel that denominations need shrink, and the benefits then that need to be provided by denominations to employees um, shrink as well. So as the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America is shrinking, um, so too is their need for uh, portico benefit services to have all of these people working to support the benefits plan of the denomination. Um, here are the raw numbers. For those of you who are Lutheran of the e- of the ELCA variety, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, which is not evangelical, by the way. It's the liberal mainline version of Lutheranism in America. Um, the projections by the denomination from the internal numbers from the Office of Research and Evaluation of the ELCA. So this is not, you know, like naysayers from the outside saying bad things about the ELCA. This is the ELCA um, talking about its own future. The denomination will have, this is a quote, the denomination will have fewer than 67,000 members total across the country in all the churches um, in the year 2050. There will be fewer than 16,000 people total in the entire denomination, in every ELCA church across the country, fewer than 16,000 people in worship on an average Sunday by 2041. Friends, that's 20 years from now. That's 20 years from now. It's a denomination that's dropping off the cliff. Um, so that's a, it, it's a headline news article because there's a big company moving out of 25,000 square feet um, in the France building uh, in downtown Minneapolis. Um, and, uh, oh, no, it's leasing. Excuse me. That's wrong. That's where they're moving, apparently. Anyway, they're moving out of like 60,000 square feet. It's crazy. Okay, so um, you, get my, you get my point here. A company is moving, and so the headline is economic for downtown Minneapolis. But the underlying storyline is a worldview storyline about the failure of a church to proclaim the good news of the gospel, the saving good news of the gospel, of who Jesus is, what he came to do, what happens during this Holy Week and on this Good Friday, and the real reality that Jesus really did rise from the dead, and that changes everything. Once you um, separate yourself from the proclamation of a saving gospel, um, why would people come? What would they be coming for? Um, So there you go. Uh, Let me just encourage you to find the worldview headline that is often hiding inside the article um, that might be, that might well be economic. All right. uh, We got to take a brief break. Next up, John Brandon, he and I are going to answer a listener question that was raised in my last conversation with him about Jesus and boundaries. There you go. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, John Brandon. He's a Forbes columnist. He's the digital media director for Northwestern Media, and he is the author of the forthcoming book, The Seven Minute Solution. You can find him at sevenminutesolution.com. John, welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for mentioning that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So um, last time that we uh, that we talked, um, we got a listener comment or listener feedback, um, and this was what she, this is what she asked. Hey, 
Um, I think he mentioned offhandedly, I'm not sure um, if if or where Jesus had boundaries with people and where he didn't, like where Jesus had boundaries with people and where he didn't. So apparently you surfaced a conversation about Jesus and boundaries with people, and we're circling back around to that today. Nice. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question that uh, I responded by email, and the, the gist of it is the, the first thing is really to define what is a boundary in the first place. Uh, and this actually gets pretty thorny pretty quickly because people define boundaries differently. But if you go to the dictionary, you know that that's a good place to start. It just means the limit. You know, what is the limit of this? And as humans, uh, you know, I said last time we were on the air that we're not Jesus, which means that, uh, you know, we're not the son of God. We're not uh, pursuing, uh, we're not perfect in every way and also human in every way. So when we say boundaries, there's two ways to kind of look at this. And there's a good way and a bad way. And the good way is, you know, let's say that you've uh, struggled with something in life uh, and, and we can actually get into this sometime, Carmen, but in high school, I was kind of a rebel, uh, kind of drank a little bit too much. And then I became a Christian at Northwestern University of Northwestern, actually, uh, when I was a freshman. But uh, for me to go into a bar today, I haven't had a drink in 35 years, believe it or not. Amen. Amen. And I, I have a boundary where I say, you know what, I just can't go there. I can't go to a bar. I can't hang out with people. I can maybe do a sports bar, but not a real bar, you know, and that's a boundary and that's a healthy thing where it gets to be the bad part of boundaries is when we say things like, well, I just need to look out for myself. I, I need to look out for number one. Uh, you know, this, I have to have a boundary with you because, uh, you know, what I'm doing is the most important thing. And I actually uh, want to mention something about self-care, too, because self-care is a really good, healthy thing, and it makes perfect sense, and I, I really like that concept. It's just when it goes too far and when self-care becomes selfishness, and and that's where I think navigating this idea of what is a boundary is really a big challenge. Mm. Um The difference between self-care and selfishness, um, I do think that people have a tendency to sometimes go beyond self-care to selfishness, particularly when, um, you know, we're saying, well, I'm going to guard my heart against being rejected. And that means I'm not going to go and seek to share, you know, uh, not even just straight up share Jesus with somebody else, but even like make an effort to do something that's uncomfortable. Um, You know, I'll just say, well, that's none of my business. Now, my retort is always, John, um, it's it's the father's business, and right. so it's your business. That person and their salvation, that person and their pain, that person and their need, that's the father's business. And you're you're the father's child now in Jesus Christ. You're you are adopted. You are on commission with Jesus now, and so that's the father's business. So it's your business. Make it your business. Right. Yeah. One of the things I mentioned in my email to the listener is, uh, you know, Jesus didn't have a spiritual day planner. And what I mean by that is that, uh, you know, when he when the hemophiliac woman caught him and tugged on his garment and he was on the way to do something else. And he there's this concept in productivity called time boxing, where you keep your tight schedule and you group things together and you're really intentional. Great, great idea. And it's it's wonderful in practice. And I actually believe in that, except for when there's times when it's like, you know what, maybe I shouldn't keep my schedule right now. Maybe my I should set aside this spiritual day planner and say, 
maybe I should actually address something. And I was thinking about this actually the other day because I stop at Quick Trip a lot and uh, I, I go there to, you know, buy cheap bananas and stuff. But sometimes I'm in a hurry and I don't stop and just say something to the clerk. And I don't mm. say, you know, they they ask me questions and I'm just too busy and I'm on my schedule. And and sometimes the idea of like self-care can come into that where I'm like, well, I'm just on my way home. I'm tired. I've had a long day at work. But I just think those spiritual moments that come up in life, uh, we need to live by a heavenly uh, time clock and one that maybe we need to be able to adjust and say, my schedule, I can set that aside at times. So um, John, Brandon, and I are going to return to this conversation in just a moment. We've got to take a very brief break. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Okay, I'm kind of laughing because apparently uh, people listening right now are like, oh, John and Carmen are taking live listener questions. Let me text in a question. <laughs> So we got all kinds of questions that we're not going to answer, but I promise those of you who are texting in questions, I will circle back around to you on other things like, oh, I mean, you got, they got all kinds of things here. Like, did I check out particular things that they, links that they sent me and what's my view of certain things? So there you go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Love the listener engagement. All right. John Brandon and I are continuing our conversation. I want you to check out his book website, sevenminutesolution.com. So John, I visited the website. Um, and I found out that you're going to teach us all about um, becoming more productive. And and so here's the good news. It's possible that my routine is actually getting in the way of me having a more productive routine. That is the, one of the things that I have already discovered um, by checking out what you're doing at 7minutesolution.com. Well, yeah, that's almost like you've already read the book, which is pretty crazy. So one of the big themes is, are you working on the right things? Are you working toward the right goals? And uh, yeah, routine is just an engine. It gets you to a certain place. You can think of it like, uh, you know, when you're driving a car, you don't really think too much about the brake pedal, hopefully, uh, except when you need to and the gas pedal. You, you just use them, and that's a part of your brain that's actually controlling that function. And it's such a good thing that God created us that way, that we don't have to think about everything. But, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going, if you're just kind of on autopilot and you're going down a certain direction and the car is speeding there at 80 miles an hour, but it's the wrong place to go, uh, that's really what the book is about. It's kind of teaching you, uh, you know, how, how to apply certain routines in your life to kind of get where you want to go. I call it productivity with purpose. That's kind of the tagline. Um, another quick thing about the seven minute. So this, is, this comes from, uh, you know, scientific research has found that our sustained attention span is about five to ten minutes, and I just split the difference at seven minutes, but came out of an Inc. magazine article I wrote in 2015 called The Seven-Minute Morning Routine, and it's something I've been doing for, for decades, and it's just a way to be really intentional with your time. Every minute you go through this routine, uh, it's, it's, really, it's really cool stuff because I do all of these routines myself. So there's one for social media, there's one for email, there's one for a daily debrief, there's even one for taking a break, uh, and they're all seven minutes long. There's also this, I mean, I don't know that you included this, but there's the seven-minute workout. 
I hope that's the next book. Yeah, and and I know that already exists, but okay. Can you totally do that with the guy who is on LinkedIn right now, and he's doing like yoga in your home office, but it's not like yoga, yoga. Like you stay in your regular, but there's like he's like teaching us how to how to not end up with the neck that's all cricked over because we're you know on the computer all the time or how to anyway there you go it's a seven minute routine so i think that the seven minute thing is really good and it by the way seven minutes is historically how often radio hosts are supposed to reset their show because seven minutes is the average listening time at least in drive time radio wow that is amazing that syncs right up perfectly so that's really cool to hear yeah. Well, so, um, all right. So I got this, um, I, I read a few other things that you wrote <clears throat> and this one is, uh, I think because I'm so poor at it, I would like to lift it up. So it might be listed under ignore office chatter, but for me, it's ignore social media chatter or avoid chasing squirrels and rabbits of all varieties. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about that one in the couple of minutes we have left today. Yeah. So, so social media is one of those things where there, uh, so there's this thing called the death scroll or a doom scroll, and it's a it's a widely known thing. If you've ever been to Starbucks before in your life, look around and you'll see people doing the doom scroll. And so in my book, I, I address this because they say, what if you could just do your social media activity in seven minutes? And then that leaves like, you know, basically 53 minutes to do other stuff. And it, it's all about kind of freeing yourself up to work on other things that are more important uh, earlier, I said, talking to the guy at Quick Trip, well, if I'm sitting there, you know, scrolling through my phone because I'm catching up on Instagram, uh, the latest posts from uh, Kanye or whoever it is, uh, you know, that's not a great investment in time. But if I'm really intentional, um, the other thing I want to mention really quick, Carmen, is that when you when you talk about taking on something that's only seven minutes, every productivity expert tells you this make a goal that's pretty easy at first. So, and you talked about workouts. Um, I'm a big believer in short walks, you know, even mm-hmm. just to, just to challenge everyone today, um, go on a, on a five minute walk and during COVID. It's been, it's been something that uh, is kind of hard because you just get so pulled into your work and your other activities, but, but just take, I'm going to say seven minute walk. How about <laughs> uh, take a seven minute walk and, and just challenge yourself and then do that for a week and then do that for a month. And pretty soon you might be able to do a longer walk or even a run. I love that encouragement. That is so, um, so good and so important. Um, John, what are you um, what are you researching and writing about this week? Because yeah. last week it was um, it was a non-fungible token market. And we're not talking about that. So what are you yeah. working on and focused on this week? You know, you and I have talked about books so much, and uh, I think it's something that I'm always getting books in. But I want to make a quick shout out to a guy named Mark Batterson. And we uh, love Mark. Yeah, yeah, he he is just an awesome guy. I've read every one of his books, a couple of them twice. Uh, but he just has uh, this way of kind of just grabbing you, and and all of his books are awesome. But his latest book is actually about productivity. So I just want to say, look up Mark Batterson. His book on productivity is really, really helpful. It's kind of similar to the one that I've written um, that comes out in January, by the way. All right. I am, uh, I'm, I am right now looking in our calendar because we have Mark on pretty much every time he writes a new book. So <laughs> um, I'm, I'm betting 
Um, so we had him on to talk about win the day. Is that the one? Uh, win, the day, the yeah, yeah. one? win the day. Win the day. Yep. And and I. So I'd you love guys to... can. Yeah. So you guys can actually uh, scroll back to the podcast when Mark Batterson was on the program. I think it was the 26th of January, but it might that might have been when we recorded with him. Oh, no, he was on at 7.30 a.m. On, uh, on the 26th of January. So we will circle back and encourage people to listen to that podcast. Um, it's always so fun when, you know, right, worlds collide. Yeah, I'd love to do like a debate about productivity with him. That would be pretty All fun. Right. All right, we'll turn toward our producer um, in the in the break, and I bet he could help make that happen. That's John Brandon. He's a Forbes columnist. He's a digital media director here at Northwestern Media, and he is the author of the Seven Minute Solution. You can find it at sevenminutesolution.org. We'll be right back. Wow, that was so good. I'm definitely going to check that out and share that with my kids. I thought that was so good. Um, All right, so what's up next? Laura Wickham joins me. She is the author of Do Great Things biography series for kids. We're going to talk about the first two in the series today. What stories are you telling your kids? Um, Have you got some stories that you can tell them about Christians who really did great things in history, and they did them for God. That conversation up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Okay, so we've been engaged in this Kindness Always initiative for some period of time, and and you guys have said, hey, we never, we never, these things come to an end and we never like hear what happened. And so hundreds of you are engaged in the Kindness Always initiative. Um, you signed up at MyFaithRadio.com. You have been developing or building these new habits and making these consistent commitments um, to just deliberately, intentionally act with kindness toward other people. So tomorrow, tomorrow, during the final segment of this program and, and... Then during um, the 4 to 5 p.m. and maybe 5 to 6 p.m. hours of Bill Arnold's program, we are um, celebrating. So Bill is going to join me tomorrow. That will be really fun in the last half hour of this program. But then tomorrow afternoon, I want you to tune in to Bill Arnold. You should be tuning in to him every day, every afternoon anyway. But anyways, from at least 4 to 5, but maybe 4 to 6, if enough of you call in, we are going to take your calls Um, to celebrate Bill's birthday, and to give your testimony about the Kindness Always initiative. So I want you, I want to get in as many stories as possible, which means I need you to plan in advance to be able to tell your kindness story succinctly, because we want to hear from everyone. So why don't you take a few minutes today, think back over the past couple of months, choose one kindness story that you could tell on yourself or tell on someone else. It's not bragging. It's not gossip, right? Let's elevate the good news story and celebrate and glorify God. Inspire other people to go and do likewise. Tomorrow morning, uh, 7.30, we'll check in here with Bill Arnold. But tomorrow afternoon, 4 to 5, maybe 5 to 6, if there's enough of you that call in, then we are going to listen to your Kindness Always initiative stories live on the air and share them with everybody else. So... Uh, get all ramped up and ready for that. Uh, the number will be the same one that we always use, 877-933-2484. Laura Wickham is up next. Do great things for God. This is Max Lucado. Isn't there a time or two when you went outside for a solution when you should have gone inward? 
Reminds me of the golfer who was about to hit his first shot on the first hole. He swung and missed the ball. Swung and whiffed again. Tried a third time. Missed again. In frustration, he judged, man, this is a tough golf course. He may have been right, but the golf course wasn't the problem. You may be right as well. Your circumstances may be challenging, but blaming them is not the solution, nor is neglecting them. Consider the prayer of David. He said, Create in me a new heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Psalm 51 and verse 10. Real change is an inside job. You might alter things a day or two with money and systems, but the heart of the matter is and always will be the matter of the heart. This is Max Locato. Author Lauren Wickham joins me right now. She is the author of a great new biography series for kids called Do Great Things for God. Laura, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So um, I totally loved watching and listening to you read one of your books on YouTube. And so I want to encourage people, if you go to thegoodbookcompany.com, to the site for the Do Great Things for God biography series, you can find the link to where uh, Laura is actually reading one of the books to us right there on YouTube. So that was really fun. Laura, tell us, um, you know, sort of what's the inspiration behind this series of biographies for kids? Um, And then, um, well, let's just start there. Well, yes, there is a lot of interest at the moment in biographies for children, which I think is fantastic. Kids get to be inspired by the real lives of great men and women of the past. But I couldn't help but wonder about those stories that were not being told, but whose impact could be just as big in in our children's lives. And I'm talking about the stories of men or women of faith who touched so many lives while serving God. And I felt that their stories needed to be shared with our children. And so um, you have partnered with the Good Book Company to do that. Um, let's let's talk about the stories that you have chosen to tell and the ones that you have started with, because there are two available now, but, um, but many in the series. So um, why these particular stories? Yeah, I wanted to begin by focusing on those women who went against all odds in order to serve God. And I went through hundreds of really interesting biographies, which was an incredible experience, very humbling. But it it wasn't until I came across Betsy Stockton's biographies that I felt that her story needed to be be told. Um, For those of you who haven't heard of Betsy, she was a woman born enslaved. And the moment that slavery was ended, she chose to travel across the Pacific Ocean on a five-month journey to reach the people of Hawaii. And once there, she built schools for the underprivileged. She even became the official teacher for the Hawaiian king's son, which is, uh, it was an incredible honor. And yeah, I, I was just really inspired by her life, also because she was one of the first single women of color to travel on a Christian mission, which is is really remarkable. Yeah, it's really remarkable. So that's the Betsy Stockton uh, story, Mm -hmm. the girl with a missionary dream. 
Um, and that's really, I mean, it is really extraordinary. Her story, I think, is going to be um, a surprise to a lot of people. They're going to be surprised they'd never heard it before. Um, you know, could could a person even imagine spending five months journeying across the Pacific Ocean um, by themselves? What would it like? What would it be like to be a missionary? Um, you know, why why do we do that? Like, what is that even about? Why should we care that people in other places don't yet know Jesus? I can just see so many provocative conversations happening um, with kids when you're reading about somebody like Betsy Stockton. Absolutely. And it was a whaling ship, so it was stinky. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right, so um, that's one of the stories that's available right now. Another one that is available in the series is Corey Ten Boom. I think there are probably people who imagine they know her story, um, but, you know, remind us why it's important to tell a story in an age-appropriate way and how you have done that with Corey Ten Boom's story. Yes. Well, um, I, as you say, some people might be more familiar with Corey, Corey's story. Um, for those of, of your listeners who aren't, she was um, uh, a, a woman born in the Netherlands, and her and her family helped to hide I think around 800 Jewish people in their house um, against, um, you know, during World War II. And they even built a secret room inside her bedroom, which um, is still there. If you, if you travel to the Netherlands, you can still see it, which is incredible. Um, she was then imprisoned in a concentration camp, but she didn't lose hope. And even at the lowest times, she would be sharing God's uh, message with the other prisoners. <clears throat> and it is challenging to tell a story set in World War II, which, you know, if, for children, it could be really upsetting. So it was challenging to tell it in a way that is accessible to children. But it's important that they learn. There's so much we can learn about um, from Corrie ten Boom. You know, her faith and selflessness and forgiveness. Yeah. The Do Great Things for God uh, biography series for kids um, does not shy away from the story of a former slave or the story of a Holocaust survivor. Um, This is the content that uh, the subject matter told through these just incredible, um, uh, very easy to read for, I would say, a child of six designed to be read to children who are maybe four or five. Um, And it comes to us from The Good Book Company. You can find them at thegoodbook.com. Laura and I are going to uh, give you a little look into uh, books in the series that are forthcoming up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Continuing my conversation with author Laura Wickham, we are talking about the Do Great Things biography series for kids, Do Great Things for God. You can find them at thegoodbook.com. Uh, the first two books in the series are available now, Corey Ten Boom uh, and Betsy Stockton. The Corey Ten Boom book is The Courageous Woman and the Secret Room. Betsy Stockton is The Girl with a Missionary Dream, but there are more books in the series. So, Laura, can you tell us a little bit about who might be next? Yes. So, in September, we are launching the next two books, which are Gladys Elward and Betsy Green. 
So our goal was to choose stories as different as possible from one another <clears throat> in the hope that as many children as possible can see a little bit of themselves in one of these stories and hopefully be inspired by them. All right. So, um, so Gladys, um, a little woman with a big dream. Why? Um, tell us a little bit about her and why did you choose to tell her story? Absolutely. So Gladys had a goal. She wanted to travel to China and serve God with the people of China. But it it wasn't easy. She had to work day and night to save enough money for a train ticket. When she did, the journey was very dangerous, especially for a single woman. Um, But once there, God used her in incredible ways, particularly amongst the many orphans that Gladys looked after. Okay, so there's a part of Gladys' story that I, I I find so just amazing. Um, I mean, because this is also a story, I think, about perseverance and about letting nothing come between you and what you believe God has called you to do. So she spent all of this, you know, time um, earning money to buy the, the train ticket to China, very long way away. Her train stops in Siberia and doesn't go any further. And so she then crosses a dark forest on foot, surrounded by packs of wolves. I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I know. I was so impressed by this. I I complain if it's drizzling and I have to drive to church. And this woman went against <laughs> everything to to reach her goal and serve God. It's so humbling. <laughs> Oh, all right. So I can't hardly wait for Gladys's uh, story to come out in September. Um, but we're also going to learn about Betty Green, the girl who longed to fly. This one's really fun as well. And she, I mean, this person, Betty Green, I mean, she only died in 1997. These are not all, you know, like historical figures in terms of uh, a history long, long ago. That's right. Yes, we we can find examples of amazing uh, lives in all through history. Betty in particular, I really love her story. She uh, she was passionate about airplanes. She took a few flying lessons when she was a teenager and that was it. She loved it. And, and I love how God used her gift and passion, you know, for, for his kingdom. So she she helped funding the MAF, which is a mission whose goal is to reach the parts of the world that are isolated. And she would fly her plane there, bringing in food, medicines, and of course, the Bible with the message of Jesus. All right. I just uh, I just appreciate that you're writing these in an age-appropriate way, that you're writing them um, to be inspiring, historically accurate, beautifully illustrated. It's just, it's really great. So for those of you that are looking for um, something for your kids, your grandkids, the kids at your church, something for your church library, like these are really excellent resources. Um, you can find them at thegoodbook.com. Laura Wickham is the author. Thank you so much for joining us to share with us the Do Great Things for God biography series for kids. Just wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on your program. Absolutely. What a joy. We'll be right back. Darkness. 
So Betsy Stockton's story um, is one that you should Google um, because there's so much more to her story than obviously could be included in a biography series that's written for children. Um, But if you want to engage in a conversation about how the church and people of the church have been redemptively involved over the course of time, um, even in the midst of the slave the slavery realities, um, the slave history of this country. Betsy Stockton's story is an important one um, for us to be familiar with. She was born into slavery in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, She eventually became um, the property of uh, the president of what is now Princeton University. It was then the College of New Jersey, Reverend Ashbel Green. Um, And and as a part of... uh, his witness and testimony and the and the truth of the gospel, um, Betsy was admitted as a member of the First Presbyterian Church in Princeton, New, Jer- New Jersey, and formally freed on the same day. And that's when she took the surname Stockton. Um, she remained as domestic help in the in the Green family, um, and then you know, and she learned to read and she learned to write. Um, she became an educator. And it was during that time that she expressed a desire to um, be a missionary. Um, and so uh, she learned about um, a student at Princeton Theological Seminary, which the Princeton, uh, that's what the College of New Jersey eventually became, um, a friend of the Green family and and that was going to Hawaii. So anyway, it's just an extraordinary, extraordinary story um, of, of redemption and the way a person um, lived out their salvation in a way that just influenced not only uh, contemporary reality in Princeton, but um, but the reality for so many people forever whom she reached with the gospel. So never underestimate um, your power to communicate the gospel with another person. I have another child story to share with you here during this Holy Week. So my friend Susan, who died um, four years ago now, um, she and I are the same age. She was my best friend. It still hurts. Um, but my friend Susan shared a story with me of a time that she was um, walking in Chicago. The person that she uh, was was walking with ran into a friend, and so they stopped to talk. Well, that person had a, like, 10-year-old child. That child was just standing there. So Susan, you know, turned to engage with the child, um, and the little girl pointed at Susan's neck and said, what is that? And Susan, you know, just, you know, reached up with her hand to feel what the little girl was pointing at, and and felt the cross hanging on her necklace. You know, she was wearing this very, very simple, small gold cross. The child pointed and said, in all innocence, what's that funny-looking plus sign? And Susan said, um, oh, it's a cross. And the child said, what's a cross? And Susan hesitated and then proceeded to have a conversation with this 10-year-old child who obviously had not been raised in a Christian family. She had never been to a church. She honestly did not know anything about Jesus. She'd never heard of a cross, and certainly not the cross. She'd never heard of Jesus. She wanted to know why Jesus had to die. She wanted to know who killed him. Um, She wanted to know if he was God, then how could God die? And wasn't killing God a really bad thing? Were those people who did that uh, held responsible? Can you see how something that you and I take for granted, the wearing of a cross on a chain, walking down a street with a friend, um, how radical that might be um, to a person who has never heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can you see how something that we take for granted, like a person knowing the meaning of the cross 
or the story of the resurrection? Can you see that as an opportunity today to share the greatest story ever told, the greatest life ever lived, the greatest death ever died, the very hinge of human history, why we count our years the way we do, and the way unto eternity? Don't take anything for granted today, and don't take today for granted either. Let us go forth to be witnesses on this Witness Wednesday. Have a great day, and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.